CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts. Options Action is brought to you by TD Ameritrade, where you gain access to research tools to help you sharpen your trading strategies. Hey, everybody. Good afternoon and welcome to Options Action. I'm Tyler Matheson in tonight for Melissa Lee, joined by Carter Worth, Mike Coe and Tony Zhang. Let's get right to it. Gentlemen, welcome. Uh, another red day on Wall Street. No- nowhere near as red as it was uh, midday or late morning, but the uh, it finished off the lows of the day after a wild week. Here's where we ended the Dow and the S&P virtually unchanged for the week. The Nasdaq down one and a half percent, but we got wild swings every day, Carter. Uh, You know, what do you make of the action, number one? And number two, we finished the week down two-tenths of a point on the Dow and the S&P. But why does it feel so much worse than that? I feel worse than a 2.2 percent loss. Right, because it's worse than that, right? Under the surface, it's worse. And there's also this. You know, in a steady bear market like 73, 74, it's quite quiet. Beta volatility are low. In a steady bull market, 85, 86, during transition periods, vibrations start, tremors. And that's what this is. This shocking volatility is is problematic, and I don't think the weakness is over. It's big swings. It's thousand-point losses. It's going from down a lot to, to, to up a lot or up a lot to down a lot. Mike, what? Talk some sense to me as a retail investor. How do you, what do you make of a week like this? Carter just says, I don't think it's over yet. I think that is the emerging consensus among most of the people who spend their lives watching the markets as you guys do. This feels a lot like uh, previous bear markets that I've experienced. And I, I point back to the tech wreck. Uh, you know, March 2000 was pretty much the uh, peak for the NASDAQ. And uh, we had some of these breathtaking increases in volatility, like what we're seeing here. But I'll also say we saw some breathtaking rallies in the midst of that. And it took some time for all of this to play out. This has a lot of the same hallmarks. You know, we've had uh, a prolonged bull market. And what you're going to inevitably find in a situation like that is that people are tempted to buy the dips. And I think there are some places where people can still do that. But there are a lot of places where they shouldn't be doing it and where there's a lot of excess. They're going to come in. They're going to buy some of those stocks. You're going to see these big rallies. And then they're going to think better of that decision. And you're going to see further weakness. So from my perspective, uh, I think this is uh, has all the hallmarks of, of things we've previously seen. Things we've previously seen, Tony, but maybe for maybe for different reasons, uh, which makes the the reaction a little, to me, a little, you know, on the back foot. We haven't had inflation like we're having right now in a real, real long time. We haven't had uh, interest rates moving up this aggressively. I was shocked. I mean, I'm telling you, I was shocked when I heard that that uh, half point increase was the first time since the year 2000 that the Fed had done that. I mean, they're, they're different predicates this time, right, Tony? Yeah, certainly quite different. 
Um, if you look at the major markets, as, as Mike was referring to, you know there are some opportunities to potentially look for uh, buying opportunities. If you look at the uh, the S and P 500 and the Dow, they held some major support levels this week, and I think that is fairly constructive. But if you look at the Nasdaq, you look at the Russell 2000. That's where the weakness currently is. They broke yes. some of those major support levels. That's where I think you could see some further downside. Those are some of the places that I'd stay away from. And you mentioned at the top that. You know, despite the fact that we're unchanged on the week, it doesn't feel that way. It's because sure we're whipsawed one day, up 3%, down 3%. That doesn't feel good for investors that, that didn't hold it throughout the week. Yeah. You know, you look at NASDAQ down 22 percent for the year so far, Dow down 9 percent, uh, S&P down 30 percent. But as you point out, Tony, NASDAQ and, and uh, Russell, those are the ones that have been limping the most. Now, we're talking, we're thinking, a lot of people are thinking about defensive uh, plays right now against that volatility. And you can't do that without talking about, I suppose, gold. And Carter, you say it is indeed doing its job. Explain. Well, that's right. So in the modern era, but going back to time immemorial, gold, of course, has been around and it's the one hedge that has always done its job. I think there's this and it's I have a slide if you want to just start with that. They're really the whole populace, the world can be categorized into one of three categories. And, and there's it's not really Carter's take. This is just a fact. There are people who never own gold and will never own it. Fine. There are people who buy gold during times of crisis as a hedge, but then want to move away from it. And then of course, there are people that always have gold. They are known as gold bugs. And there's nothing wrong with any of this, but there's a few points that need to be made. And the next point can be seen on this slide coming up. Let's look at some major market sell-offs. And this screen depicts those five. That is the performance in the first column, the peak to trough, 1987 crash to the low, S&P drops 36%, gold goes up 1.4. Not much up, but the relative performance, 37%. Second instance, it's the dot-com peak to the O2 low, S&P drops 50%, gold goes up 11 for a spread of 62%. Then the next one, the 07 housing peak and the bottom in the financial crisis low in 09, S&P drops almost 60%, gold goes up 25, look at the spread, uh, 83%. Next one, there's the COVID peak, there's the COVID low. Now in this instance, S&P went down, gold did too, but gold goes down 3% versus 35. I mean, there's, there's no way around this. And the last one is the one we're living right now. Not a major sell-off yet compared to others, but look what's happening. Gold is doing its job. So for those who are interested in hedging, there's no way around the facts. And then finally, then the people say, well, yeah, but that's during crisis. What about holding it? This chart also makes the case for holding it. What we're looking at is the performance, three lines, very straightforward. The blue line way down there on the bottom is the S&P from the dot-com peak to where we are now. The green line is with dividends reinvested. A big difference, that's total return. But the, the orange line is gold. Gold has killed, literally lapped the S&P with dividends reinvested for 22 years. That's most people's professional life in this business. Anyone who graduated college in 22, that, that is 45. Gold's been better than anything they've done in the Why don't we talk more about gold then if it's been doing this, uh, Carter? Well, why is it the orphan uh, asset? 
Yeah, I mean, there is this, and it's pretty funny, and we've all heard it before, the barbarous relic is what it's called, and then there's this great iron. It's been all this money, all this manpower, you dig and dig and dig, you gotta find it first, you haul it up, you get it above ground, and then of course you go bury it in the ground again, i.e. put it in a vault. It's that yeah. people chuckle at it, but it's the one thing that's been around. Yeah. Anyway, this is the GLD chart. And, you know, um, I, I wanna say two things. I am very, whatever that metal thing is behind you there, uh, Carter, it's really, I just sort of want to melt down the metal because it looks like it's probably worth exactly. a lot. Okay, yeah. but Mike, it's actually let me gold. get. I just painted it that way. That's where <laughs> you just my... painted yeah. it. <laughs> Mike, you know, what's your trade here? Uh, you th those know, numbers are pretty compelling. Tyler, the last time we had inflation this, this high, I was a kid, and my father bought me a silver harvester. You could take photographic processing chemicals, you could stick it in there, and the machine would help you uh, recover the silver. Precious metals tend to do very well in inflationary periods, period. That's what we're in. And it's the first time that a lot of investors have ever seen this. Options are a way that you can take exposure to an underlying asset where you have the right to purchase it, but you're not obligated to if the price falls. But you wanna give yourself a little bit of time for this to play out. For most investors who are watching this, chances are you don't trade futures, but you do trade stocks. And GLD is the ETF that is a proxy for gold. And I was just looking up to January of 2023. Uh, when I was looking at that earlier today, you could purchase the January 180 calls uh, for about 10 bucks. Uh, I think I actually picked up a few for slightly less. I typically do trade futures, but uh, I do like to see sort of how things are going on in ETF land. Um, and that is a way that you can get exposure to gold. Now, $9.85 a share, might not seem uh, that cheap, but you know, consider that uh, GLD is just under that 180 level. So you know, you're spending, you call it about 5% of the current price. And essentially, if it rallies, you're going to have an opportunity to, particip uh, to participate above 180. And because these are long-dated options, they're not going to decay that rapidly. And I, I actually think this is a decent way to start dipping one's toe into the water and those assets that you want to get long Interesting. Uh, in the market generally. Interesting. Tony, your take on gold here and Mike's trade. Yeah, so I think the fact that gold has held that 175 level on this pullback is constructive for uh, the, uh, taking some long exposure here in, in gold, especially as we've looked at the inverse correlation between the S&P and gold. But I think one of the things that's important to understand is that Mike is choosing an out-of-the-money uh, long-dated option. So this is risking a relatively small percentage of the ETS value, in this particular case about 5% of the ETS value, but it requires about a 9% move to the upside for this to break even at expiration. So that's basically resuming back to all-time highs and actually breaking out above that in order for it to be profitable. So this is a trade that has to work out relatively quickly in order for it to make uh, for it to work out. So it's just something to be aware of in terms of the, the type of structure that you're using with an out-of-the-money long-dated call option. All right. Uh, Mike, I'm going to switch back to you because loyal viewers here know uh, that this show has always advocated uh, for and constructed market hedges. We're talking about a way to hedge right now. And part of hedging, as sophisticated investors knows, is adjusting those trades. And for you, it's time to do that for two of your trades. Take it away. Yeah, we, yeah, we had uh, we had a 360, 320 put spread on the triple Qs. The Qs were actually below that, that lower strike. You know, when you have hedges on, you want to monetize them. Otherwise, what's the point? So what I advocate here is to close the existing position. You can roll down and out so that you have additional protection if market weakness 
persists a little bit further. Now, IWM is a little bit different. There we had a 190-165 put spread on. Uh, we're about middle of the strikes right now, uh, where IWM closed today. And in this case, one of the things you can do is you know, just roll the long strike uh, down to about where IWM is now. That's about 182-ish or 180. And that way you're taking some of the gains that you've seen on your hedges off the table while still maintaining some downside protection. But I do believe that both tech stocks and the Russell uh, have the potential for further weakness. All right. Good update there, Mike. Thank you very much. And still to come on Options Action for this Friday evening, uh, if you've got your hedges on and you want to try to dip a toe back into the market uh, on the long side, Tony and Mike have some safer strategies to help you. And for everything Options Action, check out our website, optionsaction.cnbc.com. While you're there, sign up for our newsletter. And here is what's coming up next. CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts. And welcome back to Options Action. End of a wild week of trading. The S&P 500 uh, sits now within 100 points of a key level, 4,000. The VIX approaching its highest levels of the year, and some investors warn that the economy is on the brink of a recession. So at times like these, it can be scary even to think about getting long and equity, and that's exactly why options exist, or one of them. Mike Coe will explain now how you can dip your toe into the murky waters of the market without maybe uh, getting all soaked. So here with the call to action, Mike, the floor is yours. You know, this is one of those situations where a lot of stocks that you might have been thinking about owning, maybe you owned a little bit of them, but wanted to buy more, just too expensive. A lot of those stocks are a lot cheaper now than they were only recently. The one that I was looking at is Home Depot. And that's not surprising because Home Depot, the retail sector in general, has been very, very hard hit. Now, this is a company uh, that has, over the course of the last 10 years, the average uh, forward-looking price to earnings has been about 22 and a half, give or take. Recently, it was at levels considerably higher than that. We're talking closer to 30 or even more at times. Right now, it's less than 20. Um, and you can actually, I think, think about this as one of the better value opportunities if you don't think that the retail side is going to completely collapse. And right now, you can risk less than 10% of the current share price to get participation to the upside. And with options, if you're long options, one of the nice things about it is that your exposure to the underlying asset will increase as the price rises and it will decrease as the price falls. It gives you a little bit of convexity instead of just a linear exposure to the market. I was looking also, once again, out to January 2023. The January 2023 300 calls cost about $27 or so per share equivalent. Each contract represents 100 shares. And this would be the way, I think, to consider taking a long position. Now, an important point here, if you take a look at where the stock was only recently, it was substantially higher than that level. So if you're playing for a bounce, this is a way to do so while risking less than 
essentially going out and purchasing the stock would do. Uh, and the other thing is that if you have this on and the stock does begin to rally, you can do other simple option strategies, such as sell calls against it uh, to help offset the decay, which the longer the dated, uh, dated the option is, the lower that decay will be in any case. All right, Carter, what do you make of Home Depot? Take us through the chart. Sure. The first one is uh, very straightforward. It, it's the entire 2009-2022 uh, advance, and you'll see it on the screen. I've annotated the 2009 low and uh, the current high. And what we have is something that was close to a perfect 45-degree angle, as you, could, um, as you could have. In fact, look at the second chart. That chart is a mathematically perfect 45-degree channel. And Home Depot has vacillated within the range of the channel. We're at the midpoint now, and that's what's sort of important. So the third iteration, it shows drawdowns, every drawdown greater than 25% since the 09 low to the high of just late last year. So to put those in context on the table on the next slide, you'll see there have been six instances where the stock has dropped more than 25% in the 09-2022 period. The median decline right there on your screen, the average decline, the current sell-off is just a slightly more than the average at 31.2%. And it also leaves us, look at this next chart, down to a level of support. So a 31% sell-off down to um, a, an area of congestion where rebound potential is high. And then finally, and this is very important, this two-panel chart, as Home Depot has been grinding sideways week after week after week, that, of course, is stellar because the stock market is going down. That second panel depicts relative performance, and it is very, very good. Tony, any thoughts here on, uh, on, on Home Depot and the trade? Yeah, as Carter said, the, the risk to reward here favors to the long side because the fact that it pulled back to that 290 level, which was a prior support level, that's really why I think you, you we should think a little contrarian. But as Mike said, the business looks fairly solid. It's trading at about 18 times next year's earnings. Given the earnings growth that we're seeing, given the fact that uh, demand for home improvement hasn't softened as much as we'd expect, uh, the biggest risk I see to Home Depot is really uh, inflation and, and, and lumber pricing. But I think that they're likely going to be able to pass some of that on to the consumer. So at this point, I think that the trade structure and, and the thesis makes a lot of sense. The trade structure that Mike is choosing, which in this case is in roughly at the money, a long dated option, you know, that has a kind of a, a balance in terms of the risk to reward uh, to gain some long exposure using this type of structure. Right. And you, Tony, have another re-entry kind of trade, a dip the toe kind of trade. If you want to do it by moving uh, for overseas to do it, better opportunity abroad. What are you watching? Yeah, so I'm currently looking at ASHR, which is the Chinese uh, A-shares ETF. And basically what we're looking at is equity markets that have sold off so heavily have some potential bounce opportunities. So if we take a look at the chart here of that ETF, we've seen an almost 40% decline here over the past few months. And it's declined to a fairly important level, a trend line that has been in place since December of 2018. And as Carter would say, what we've done is we've bounced to the down to the trend line, down to the penny, and now we're bouncing off of it. And if we take a look at the economic conditions here in China right now, if you look at April, this is one of the worst months we've seen. We've seen manufacturing and export growth uh, both collapse back to zero from what has been a fairly strong rebound out of the China
Chinese markets. And if you look at retail sales collapsing down to nine, a 9% decline from a 3% wow. decline uh, the week before. And then if you look at forward-looking markets, you know, the fact that 70% of manufacturing is back online and, and look at travel is, is, is starting to come back here, this is really where I see an opportunity. And the trade structure that I want to use is going out to the January 2023 uh, $25 call option. These are in the money by about $5. I'm spending about $5.30 for these calls. And then my break-even point is only 3.5% higher. So as long as the ETF rallies by at least 3.5% between now and January in 2023, this will be profitable, risking about 18% of the ETF's value. Fantastic. We're going to have to leave it there, Tony. Thank you very much. Up next, a wild week for stocks, and that means a wild week for your portfolio. So we're heading to Twitter and taking your questions on the markets. Options Action will answer your questions in two minutes. Welcome back to Options Action, everybody. Time to take your tweets. Our first viewer asks, I'm new to options. I want to make money even when the market is bad. What's the easiest way, Tony? Well, if you have a lot of holdings in the market, you can sell cover calls in this type of environment, generate quite a bit of premium. And if your stock gets called away, you can look at selling some cash-secured puts in stocks that you're looking to now acquire in this sell-off. Way to make money in a sour market. All right, Mike. I'm sorry, no, this is for Carter. Our next viewer, uh, maybe it's for Mike. Our next viewer is looking ahead to Disney earnings next week. And they ask, I was looking at the May 20, 129 call and buying the May 20, 120 call for a little bit more than a share. Carter, it is for you. Uh, I think it's a good play. You're talking about uh, almost a 50% decline. This is the kind of setup where you get a pop that makes an options strategy like that pay off. All right, thanks very much. We'll be right back. The final call coming up. All right, folks, it is time now for the final call. First up is Carter. What is yours? Gold is money. Everything else is credit. JP Morgan. All righty, Tony, you next. Buying the dip in Chinese A shares, buying an in-the-money long-dated option. That was what you were just talking about. Mike, you bring us home. Put your hedges and use some of that capital to go into fallen giants like Home Depot, 2023 calls. So we got Home Depot. We got a Disney earlier there. Gentlemen, thank you so much. I appreciate it. That does it for us here on Options Action. We'll be back next Friday at 5.30 p.m. Eastern Time. Meantime, don't go anywhere. Fast money, excuse me, mad money with Jim Cramer right now. Saturday, CNBC is your ticket to the annual Berkshire Hathaway meeting. Watch live on air or stream all the action at CNBC.com. Warren Buffett meets with shareholders, plus their questions, his answers. Becky Quick and Mike Santoli with full coverage from Omaha. Then re-rack the energy with highlights Monday morning starting on Squawk Box. The annual Berkshire Hathaway meeting, live on air and online, starts 930 Eastern, Saturday, CNBC.